Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm quite well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What are you drinking? Uh, tonight, uh, in honor of, I was inspired by our, our friend Alex, uh, and I am drinking a Mai Tai once again. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. Although my, my Orjat is a little uh, is a little wonky. It's been in the fridge since last summer. I think that might be longer than you should be storing uh, an almond-based syrup in the fridge. Uh, so, you know, T-I-L. Um, but it's not, it's not too bad. How are you doing? Uh, what are you drinking? Uh, I am having a uh, paper plane, and I'm actually using a new uh, new spirit that was uh, gifted to me by one of our listeners. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, so uh, we got a, a note from a listener just thanking us for the show and asking for our address to send us some some goodies. So we shared the address, and uh, a few days later, a FedEx box arrived with four bottles of beautiful liquors in them. So we got uh, some AD Laws bourbon from Colorado, and I uh, got some Fernet, sorry, some uh, Amaro that's sort of Fernet-based um, for making a paper plane, since uh, Kelly, the listener, had realized I like making paper planes, and then uh, gifted you some bourbons as well. So Yeah, it's very exciting. That, and uh, that Fernet is really interesting, too. It's very minty and herbal. Yep. It, is, it is really quite a... Uh quite delightful actually yeah i'm really i'm really enjoying it and so thank you cheers to uh kelly uh for for sending these along it was very kind of you and and totally unnecessary but we absolutely appreciate it and uh and encourage it (laughs) we do we uh it's quite nice it keeps us keeps us going in our uh, liquor cabinet stock so one other thing I wanted to do just before we started was um, a fellow uh, Tesla podcast. Uh, the guys over at Talking Tesla have been very kind to us and sent us uh, mentioned that they listen to the show and they they enjoy the show. So uh, I just wanted to say to everyone listening who's come as a result of uh, hearing their recommendation, welcome. And uh, if you have not listened to the Talking Tesla show and you are looking for more Tesla-related podcasts for your commutes or walks or dishwashing, activities i would definitely recommend checking it out i've listened to every single episode since the beginning and those guys over there are are very fun and uh, they cover totally different stuff than us you're kind of a super fan i am i i really do listen to the show and look forward to it and their shows are longer their their shows push two hours so if you're really looking for a lot of tesla stuff that's a lot of time you can you can listen to it yeah i mean I, i'm i'm doing a lot of dishes here i guess so Caleb, i gotta tell you i i don't even listen to all of our shows i don't know how you listen to all of someone else's shows this is kind of amazing yeah uh it's uh i guess i i guess i do have a fair amount of podcasts that's my main i don't really listen to too much music anymore so podcasts are the main thing so with All that, right. yes. we can jump into tonight's topic. So for episode 53, I thought we could uh, dig into sort of the, I don't know, the most long rumored vehicle project, even more long spanning than the Model 3, the <laughs> Apple car. Oh, as we bust into our second year, we are touching the third rail. The third rail, the Apple car, Apple rumors, Tesla, intrigue. All sorts of crazy stuff in here. So this should be an interesting episode. And we'll talk a little bit about what we know so far, what sort of bit we can piece together. But I want to spend most of the time talking about the puzzle of this thing and how how it would actually happen, what 
Apple might be doing here, what they might be thinking here, and just sort of riff on this idea together because I, I don't have a super clear picture of what this would be. So I think it could be fun to dissect and then later hear people's opinions. <laughs> I also do not have a clear picture. So do you think if we put the two of our fogginess uh, together, we will get something valuable out of this? I hope so. We'll find out in about uh, 30 minutes to an hour, hopefully. <laughs> All right, well, let's get started. Yeah, so uh, the history of the Apple car, a.k.a. Project Titan, goes all the way back to uh, Steve Jobs, and not surprisingly. Um, and apparently, so there's a, few, there's a few concrete sources we have on this. So the first one is a guy named Tony Fidel, who was his worked on the uh, iPod uh, and then some of the early iPhones and left to create Nest, the thermostat company that was acquired. And uh, so he recently was giving a talk and mentioned that uh, Steve was considering building an Apple car um, in like 2010, as early as 2010. Um, and one of the quotes from him was, we had a couple of walks. Uh, we would talk to each other. Uh, if we were to build a car, what would we build? What would the dashboard be like? Uh, what would the seats be? How would you fuel it? Uh, and then he later went on to uh, uh, sort of contextualize it for the audience he was speaking for. A car has batteries, it has a computer, it has a motor, and it has a mechanical structure. If you look at an iPhone, it has all the same things. It even has a motor. Uh, and then, then he went on to say, but the hard stuff is really on the connectivity and how cars could be self-driving. So that was Tony Fidel. Obviously, I'm going to believe him that he did have these talks with Steve Jobs. He <laughs> was No one's there to Steve deny Jobs. it now. True. So then another one is Phil Schiller under oath in the Samsung case. Uh, saying that uh, Apple had considered building a car, um, but it's a little bit more flip. He said, uh, quote, people suggested all kinds of things Apple could do. This is after the iPod. Uh, and then his quote is, make a camera, make a car, crazy stuff. So making a camera doesn't seem nearly as crazy as making a car. So the fact that those are both in the same statement. Wait, but they did have the QuickTime camera back in the 90s. Yeah, so I guess they thought they could they should do some other appliance after the iPod. Um, and have uh, they fully ruled out printers? I'm not sure. They did have the laser jet. They were, the, they were quite successful with that. Um, and then the third source triangulating on the Steve Jobs wanted to do a car is from their board, one of the former board members, Mickey Drexler, uh, who Apple recruited because of his experience at The Gap as Wait, a retailer. A, he's the CEO of J. Crew now, right? Or... Uh, yeah, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Or he, okay. what? uh, yeah. Um, and so his, his quote was this, uh, speaking in front of an audience, look at the car business. It's a tragedy in America. Who's designing these cars? They talk about expense. They talk about this. And then you say, who's designing the cars? Sort of funny. Steve's dream before he died was design an iCar. It could have probably been 50% <laughs> of the market. He never did design it. So, um, but do, with I all mean, of those, I feel like we don't know. Uh, for all we know, he could have taken walks with other people and talked about the iFridge or the iHouse or, uh, yep. you know, any number of other things. It, it's, it's just interesting that people have sort of selectively focused on this car aspect. Yeah, I think uh, you're I mean, obviously, Apple has considered tons of different devices um, and has really only entered a select number since Steve returned in 97. Uh, so music players. Uh, cell phones, tablets, 
and now wearables in the form of the Apple Watch and AirPods, if you consider those a wearable, which I would. Um, and there's there's, there's a, a linear line through all of those too. So it's it's not there's nothing so far afield. Yeah, uh, those certainly are all in the uh, personal computing and sort of in the miniaturization angle, right, of the uh, desktops to laptops to tablets to phones to watches to things that go in your ears. Um, a car would certainly be a, a, a change of path there. So, um, but what we've seen over the past few years is that there's been more and more smoke. Um, so, you know, the current best estimation based on all the reporting we've seen over the past few years is around the 2014 timeframe, uh, a project was greenlit to explore making a car and around a hundred or so people were put on the project and existing Apple hardware leaders were tasked with building and recruiting a team. Do you uh, think there were more people, do you think Apple tasked more people to work on the project or do you think the uh, industry tasked more people to report on Apple working on the project? It may have been equal numbers in the early days. I, I suspect there were more people reporting on it than they were working on it. Uh, I definitely think there were people working on it and, and are people working on it because there's just, they've hired too many uh, automotive folks to it. So the, they've pulled in uh, people from Tesla. They pulled in people from Mercedes. They've pulled in people from A123, which is like a big uh, motor and, and electrical drivetrain company. They've pulled in people from Autoleave. Um, there's like top people, uh, some of the former lead engineers from Tesla have been pulled in. So, you know, these are both confirmed by, uh, by the, the, the person, the people themselves through their LinkedIn profiles, but always, uh, in, in classic Apple secrecy, uh, they're usually as a job title, uh, special projects. Um, so anything that Apple doesn't yet want to talk about, they have those people say they're working in special projects. Um, and they've also made uh, made sort of gestures publicly to different organizations, which have now been reported on. So one very clearly was in 2015 when the Apple Special Projects Group uh, went and and visited a, a site called GoMentum um, GoMentum Station. Oh, which, that's awful. Yeah, apparently is a 2,000 acre former naval base. It's, it's here oh, is in the this Bay the one? In, yeah, this is the one in California, right? Like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so it's it's a high security testing ground for autonomous vehicles, and uh, an Apple engineer had to write publicly, and they got this information for Freedom Information Act. Uh, that we would like to get an understanding of timing and availability for the space, and how we need to coordinate others coordinate around other parties who would be using it um yeah because it's an old naval base and uh it's got highways and city streets and apparently it's uh, the largest secure test facility in the world for testing validation commercialization of connected vehicles and autonomous vehicle technology uh, mercedes hondas and, and others have tested out self-driving vehicle tests here um and they don't have to report it because it's on private um private land and not on public roads and so Apple made a request to use this property. And uh, so that's one very concrete piece of data. And so uh, are you going to go into more data? Because I was, I was going to suggest that maybe there's, there is the possibility that we have to entertain that Apple is making some sort of big move in another space, whether it be 
television or refrigerators or printers. Uh, and this is all just a big smokescreen, a disinformation campaign, a false flag operation, if you will. Uh, and, and yeah, and that they're just like letting their competitors think they're building a car while they're actually building, I don't know, a humidifier or, or something. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I, th I think, uh, I know you're sort of joking a little bit there, but I do think <laughs> that uh, it is certainly possible that the level of interest in this particular category, for whatever reason, to your earlier point, certainly seems higher than we didn't see lots of articles in you know a few years ago saying apple may create wireless uh earbuds like ooh that'd be amazing um <laughs> and can we just stop for a moment i absolutely love my airpods oh my gosh they I love they, mine too they look so ridiculous and i don't care i i don't even know where my wired headphones are now i've had the airpods for like 2 or 3 months and they're just they work so well they're so amazing i forget they're in um, yeah, yeah. This I love is mine. all right. This this concludes our, our non-paid advertisement for for AirPods, but they really are amazing. I think. I mean, it's my favorite new Apple product, probably since like the iPhone five. Probably. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, they get the Tesla Show seal of approval. Absolutely. So, and the, you can't get them in the store still. That's problematic. Um, mm. But anyways, uh, <laughs> so some of the other data we have is that they have uh, submitted. Well, they've got hundreds and hundreds of employees on LinkedIn that you can search for who have automotive backgrounds. So uh, Apple could have hired these people to explore ideas and potentially would never do anything. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I think that the one of the other really important things is that they've, they've also talked to McLaren about potentially acquiring them. Uh, McLaren denies that they uh, are going to have be acquired, but they didn't deny having conversations with Apple. So that's interesting. Um, <laughs> we also know they've leased land in uh, in, in Sunnyvale, uh, which is a few miles from their main campus, and they've also uh, put in permits for an auto work area, a repair garage, and folks have heard motor noises late at night from that facility. Wait, um, motor noises? They're making an electric vehicle. Well, it may, it may be that they're testing electric motors and those are still whining. They still make a whine. Well, would people call that a motor noise, though? Wouldn't they have called it an engine noise if they wanted to say engine? I don't know. I don't know if people calling in uh, noise complaints on the police are that specific. Or trustworthy. They could have been hearing someone's TV. It could have been uh, Ford employees, for all we know. It could be another misinformation act. The, <laughs> however, a lot of conspiracies going on here. I'm just, I'm just trying to say what people have reported to All pull right. people up to speed who are not following this as closely as okay. I have in my. All right, joint. we're almost up to speed. We're up to what 2014 now. Yeah, we're coming into 2016 now. Okay. So 2016, Apple sent a letter into the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, our favorite group, NHTSA, saying. Uh, because there are regulations coming, coming out about self-driving cars. So Apple issues this really uh, covered, coy statement. Apple uses machine learning to make its products and services smarter, more intuitive, and more personal. The company is investing heavily in the study of machine learning and automation and is excited about the potential of automated systems in many areas, including transportation. <laughs> so... Uh, they want to make sure that the, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration understands that Apple wants to participate and then later asks, why would you comment on any regulation around self-driving cars? Uh, Apple clarified their statement to the press with this. 
We've provided comments to NHTSA because Apple is investing heavily in machine learning and autonomous systems. <laughs> there are many potential applications for these technologies, including the future of transportation. So we want to work with NHTSA to help define the best practices for the industry. And then the most recent and uh, concrete uh, information is that Apple has now been added to the California DMV list of approved companies to test self-driving vehicles on public roads. Um, so, so what they, is that? What do you have to do to get approved? You have to submit a, uh, a, a permit application, and then uh, it takes a few months. And then I think every quarter, every month, uh, uh, the California DMV up, updates the list of companies that are approved. So Tesla's approved, Cruise from GM is approved, Nvidia is approved, Ford's approved. There's a whole like twenty something companies who've been approved. Okay, do you have to like demonstrate a working vehicle, or is it can it be completely like paperwork kind of thing? I think it's mostly paperwork and okay. insurance. So there's and, no like driving test. No, and and also the um, you have to you have to sort of uh, agree to submitting those disengagement reports from your testing, right? Um, which we would then see next year if Apple does test any of these vehicles on public roads. Okay. So that was really the latest bit that got me to go over the hill to decide that we should do an episode on <laughs> this because. That was the episode tipping point. It, it just was. happened last week, right? Yeah, because we've had this topic in the, in our Slack ideas room for this might be pretty, one of our oldest ones. Yeah, probably one of the earliest ones. And and the you know the the title of it is is called Project Titan. Yeah, it, it's, it's very been, grandiose. Yeah, it's been rumored that Apple now is willing to have up to a thousand employees on it. Uh, they sort of have a deadline this year to to have something that will help them make the go no go decision. Um, at Bob Mansfield, who used to be one of the top uh, software, hardware engineers at Apple, sort of hardware leaders, who had gone into retirement, has come back to Apple to lead this project. Um, and they, one of the former leaders is, has been pulled out. Uh, it was rumored early on they were actually going to use like the BMW i3 as a chassis. Tim Cook has met with different auto industry folks. There's just so much smoke. Um, and now with this uh, California DMV listing, it seems very clear um, they're doing something. Oh, the other thing we've seen is Apple Maps vans. So right. I think maybe a year and a half ago, there were these unmarked vans with LiDAR and cameras and really decked out sensor suites <laughs> driving around here in the Bay Area. And then people found out they were Apple vehicles. And then and eventually Apple they did acquire some labeling where now they do have Apple Maps on them. Yeah, and so they there was so Apple's statement about it was, oh, we're just doing mapping because we have Apple Maps, and so they made a web page for it, and apparently that web page is gone, but um, sort of saying, <laughs> oh, we're just you know making maps and making the mapping experience better, but others are like, those are some pretty in depth sensor suites for mapping. Um, <laughs> So a lot of people have been believing they're sort of hoovering up uh, really high precision maps the same way many of the other companies doing self-driving have, have done. So, yeah, I, I think that's sort of the impetus. And so let's presume that Apple is working on something in the automotive world, okay. something around self-driving so, something and in something the around a car. World or something in the transportation space. Okay, let's yeah, let's zoom out and say transportation cuz we'll, we'll dig into different approaches. Yeah. Okay. Mobility, our favorite buzzword that is annoying. <laughs> um so so the first thing would be why would Apple do anything in this area? They're already the biggest company. 
they already have a ton of folk, a ton of work to do on smartphones. Why would they distract themselves with something in the automotive world? And I think the simplest answer is to continue to grow. They need to find another really big market. And they struck on something pretty special with smartphones. Um, and they continue to absorb most of the profits in smartphones. Uh, the smartphone industry is estimated around $500 billion, which is pretty big, pretty, uh, $500 billion is a pretty big market. Uh, except when you consider that the transportation industry is $4.7 trillion and, uh, is 6% of worldwide GDP. But is that it? Like it, it, you can only go upwards from there. It's like, this is like like the Hans Gruber from Die Hard, where it's like when Alexander saw the breath of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. Like they, they have to go something bigger than the enormous success they found. Uh, yeah, I think the challenge is if they want to keep growing on a percentage basis, you have to look at bigger markets to have an impact. And And this is one of the big challenges for big companies is how do you invest resources on something that's going to make a meaningful impact to your company. For Apple, uh, you know, selling a new iPod sock, even if they take over the <laughs> iPod sock or, you know, the iPhone case market, it's going to be a, bil a billion dollars max. That's just not even going to really show up as a blip. So even if they're the most successful at iPhone, you know, cases or, you know, wireless speakers or any of these things or routers, it's just not going to make a financial, a big enough financial impact. So where do you have the most leverage to make a big impact? And one of the curses of having such success is that if you want to keep growing and that's what their board wants and their investors want and many of the people in the company to keep them interested, you have to work on things that could potentially have a bigger impact. And Energy and automotive and health <laughs> are really the next three. We know they're yeah, doing some stuff say, in health, but... After cars, they're going to have to invent nuclear fusion, right? I think they'll probably do something in health before that. But yeah, I mean, energy is one of the only other big ones. So health seems like a more logical next step than, than mobility, but yeah. You know. I think that's where the wearables are going as a tangent. I, yeah. I, I feel pretty strongly that if you want to understand how people, uh, the health of someone, obviously measuring their you know, from, from measuring their body's output and inputs is going to be a really right. important Why should component. you have to go into the doctor for lab work and what, and, or, or for that matter. Or any invasive, yeah. Right. And I know. think once you get into that, you can get into like, why are you even charging a, a watch? Why doesn't it just power from your, from your skin or, or you can even get into like, you know, why are, why are you even touching your watch? Why can't you just like kind of send nerve signals down and you start getting into like better interfaces with the, with the body. So yeah, I think wearables is, is a much more interesting or let me say, let me say much more logical progression for Apple. Yeah. The, I think it's, it's certainly easier for me and it sounds like for you as well to imagine the types of products that Apple could contribute in that area that would be so unlike anything that exists today, but also seemingly quite well suited for what Apple should be good at of making big technology uh, improvements in areas that typically haven't had a lot of love or, uh, and then also can have like a big impact on people's lives um, yeah. and already have, you know, a brand people trust. So automotive just seems and transportation seems <laughs> tangential. Um, well, it seems like it, it 
the worst, even worse than being tangential, it seems like it's something that they're going for because it is one of, like you mentioned, the few bigger markets they can go for. Not that it's some sort of burning, like, desire of the company to revolutionize transportation, but that it's a bigger market than the enormous gold mine they have in phones. So naturally, they have to go to that. And that's a little worrisome. Right. Um, so I wanted to talk through some of the scenarios I could foresee and see what you think of those and then sort of dig into those different scenarios and see if we can come out the other end with any more clarity on what we think Apple might be doing, presuming again, like I said, they're doing something in automotive. So okay. the first scenario would be they, the, the main intention is to build some technology they want to license to other manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Build the brain of a smart car. Yeah, a la, you know, CarPlay plus plus plus. Um, this is to be clear though, this is a direction they did not take with computers or phones. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what we need. To, so that's what we unpack there, right? So first first oh, my argument. Ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. First first <laughs> argument against that idea is that is not the Apple MO. It is very unlike Apple to build software and license it as a platform. Right. That's what Microsoft did and that's what others have done. But Apple well, and they got usually... burned by doing that with that Motorola rocker too. Their first attempt at a cell phone, where it was like kind of a little bit of an iPod, like glitched oh, yeah. onto a onto a motor. Yeah, I and mean, most people don't even remember it, but it was awful. It was like a couple of years before the iPhone came out. Yeah, I remember they came out on stage at the at the Moscone Center and were like, "I've got a sweet new." rocker phone and it's got <laughs> itunes on it it was a terrible little screen and steve could barely make it work and they had the ceo of motorola come out and it was like this is a piece of junk and yeah. and then like the next year the two years after they had the iphone so clearly it was an indication of their interest in the category but they really uh they were working on something bigger behind the scenes and sort of just put you know poop that thing out um <laughs> and and their other attempts at this haven't worked too well um, I guess the counterfactual for that would be that they do have a pretty good uh, record of building uh, developer platforms that people build on in terms of the Mac and iOS. But again, those are run on their own hardware and software. So they do allow people to build things for them, but not necessarily the core system. They, they don't usually let someone else run that on their hardware. So, Right. I guess the closest would be the CarPlay stuff they're doing now, but that's actually just a display, like a display surface. It's not an actual like brain transplant. Yeah, exactly. And CarPlay has been out for almost seven years, which is crazy to me. I mean, they, they introduced it at WWDC, their, their developer conference in 2010, and it first shipped on the BMW vehicles in 2011, and then in 2014, it launched more broadly. And almost every major automaker says they'll support CarPlay, uh, some of them to different degrees of actuality and cost. <laughs> um, but it's very limited. I mean, it's just taking over the head unit, the, the, the central display, and basically mirroring uh, the iPhone UI to the touchscreen. So right. it's pretty limited in sandbox. So I would be pretty surprised if all of those engineers and deep like chassis engineers and former Ford product engineers and Tesla's guy who worked on Model X and Model S and the Model 3 chassis were brought in to tinker with CarPlay. <laughs> so I don't really that's think fair. that's going to be viable. And also, um, the, yeah, it doesn't seem as if many auto suppliers are typically the ones 
who are in control of those relationships, let's say. Uh, the, the automakers seem to run the table on, on their suppliers in terms of what they want and hiding, as we talked about with the Mobileye episode, hiding the fact that those companies are even involved um, since they want to take all the credit for those innovations um well and they get all the blame when things go wrong too like no one's going to complain that mobile was doing something wrong they're going to go complain to the company that built the car yeah so i i feel pretty good about ruling that out as their plan um well, and or, also that doesn't seem like a bigger market than the iphone that would be a small slice of a big market but probably not bigger than dominating the personal computer or computing device space right unless it totally went to a world um where all the manufacturing of vehicles became commodity like it was in the pc industry in the late 90s and the only thing that mattered was the self-driving and sort of ui interfaces for the vehicles but that's a huge shift from where we are today and and I imagine the manufacturers would fight that all the way too. That would be basically like pushing them out of existence. Exactly. There's no there's no indication that that's going to happen. And, and they'd be turning all of the car manufacturers into Foxconn, basically. Right. And funnily enough, uh, the, uh, the the one of the one of the interesting statements was uh, by uh, Dieter Zetz, who's the CEO of of Daimler. Um, he said, what's important for us is that the brain of the car, the operating system is not iOS or Android or someone else's, but it's our brain. We do not plan to become the Foxconn of Apple. <laughs> um, so yeah, the car companies are quite concerned with not becoming, uh, just a man, a dumb manufacturer. Um, as they've seen the telecom companies sort of become the dumb pipes and have now had to acquire media companies to stem that off. Um, so I'm going to rule out licensing tech to manufacture existing manufacturers. Does that seem? Do you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, let's 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 scuttle that one. Okay, so we knocked that one out. What's and next? We're, we're left with uh, there's three more. So three uh, more. I thought yeah. you said there were three total. Well, one is the null option, which we could discuss. So <laughs> let's let's discuss that one next. Do okay. nothing. All right, or they, we'll do something else. But yeah, yeah, kill this project. I'm I'm saying do nothing. I'm All saying in this on printers. is. This is completely a experiment. Uh, it is easy for Apple to invest $10 billion, $20 billion in a project if they think it has merit at this scale. I mean, that's like one year's of interest on their cash pile. I mean, exactly. I mean they have $234 billion in cash and cash equivalents. So yeah. they're really not going to miss it. And so you say, okay, you're Tim Cook. You want to look for the big next opportunities. Some people inside the company feel like this could be it. So you give them a few years, you give them a couple billion dollars, you let them do what they want, a couple hundred engineers, a couple thousand people. Sounds like a huge investment to almost every other company in the world, but Apple isn't like every other company. And so the risk of doing this is capped at $10 billion, say, but the potential upside could be trillions. I sure, mean, it's, it's an R&D project at that point. Exactly. So you just treat it as an R&D. And what happens is in the next year or two, they come back and they say, from where we are today, so 2018, they say, look, we, we tried this. We actually don't think there's a viable path for us to make a meaningful contribution. And it goes nowhere. So that's an option. What do you say to that, Mike? What do you think that is a likely outcome given what you know so far? Uh, well, it's a little bit tough because I mean, they could actually be fully intent on doing the first option, but end up in the second option if it doesn't pan out 
Um, so it's a, it's a little bit hard to say. I, I'd say the the sort of null option is the the default failure option for any mm-hmm. of the other scenarios. Um, well, yeah. I guess like this would explicitly be they do not announce anything, do not attempt anything beyond what they've done today. They totally kill it. Behind well, I mean the scenes. that seems like Apple though, right? Like they wouldn't announce something that they didn't think was good enough to go right. out, right? So. So I think the 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 null option is indistinguishable from the failure case of the other options. Yeah, failure, but not public. Right. Not like the rocker where they did it, but it wasn't a success. Oh, OK. Yeah. The rocker seemed like an anomaly. So I, I don't think that would happen again. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I it seems very, very well. I wasn't going to I was going to say it, it seems unlikely, but uh, it, I don't think we would know until probably decades later or years later at least uh if the if they don't do it if it was because it failed or because they just chose not to or if there's any difference between those two who knows right and i guess the other thing you have to worry about too on this particular outcome is when would you make the call that they've decided to give up right because we would we're basically having to predict a a non-event well and it depends on the on the i guess the pace of the rest of the market right like because having if the rest of the market is moving faster then that might force their decision sooner whereas if it's taking a long time for everyone else to come along then that provides more opportunity for them to keep iterating and keep and push off their decision yeah totally so the two options i think are most down to two likely path the two most likely paths but are also two of yours i might have some after sorry sorry yes you 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 have I hidden probably your, but, your pathways. Yeah. Okay. So the I'll say both of them. We can talk about them each. One <laughs> is to sell a car to a customer directly, very similar to what the traditional car world has been for the past hundred years. Of you want to buy a car, it's a personal object. You buy it, and Apple is going to sell that to consumers. That fits very much into Apple's mo of being very consumer focused and developing all of their products with the end user in mind. Yep, exactly. And then the second scenario that I foresee would be that they only operate as a ride service, a subscription service of some sort, and the vehicle is most likely fully self-driving and is not something that you own. It's something Apple owns and you subscribe to it or pay for it by the drip or whatever, but it's not a project you product you pay thirty, fifty, or hundred thousand dollars for. It's a new class of of service. Right. So the consumer would still be, the end user would still be their, the consumer they're targeting. It's just instead of actually selling them a discrete vehicle, they would be selling them mobility. Yep, exactly. So those are the two pathways I think are the two most likely ways this thing could come about. But I think they're quite different in what their goals would be and their time horizons. So I that, think there's that's... also probably a, a variation of the second one where mm-hmm. they would actually sell to uh, aggregations of people, either companies or municipalities, uh, and essentially make that like public transit in a way mm-hmm. or, or some sort of uh, like there are a lot of tech companies in the Bay Area that have their own bus networks. Um, you can imagine having replacing that with a fleet of uh, vehicles that you could control. Uh, so it's, I guess selling mobility to resellers like maybe maybe uh, uh, yeah but it's 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 the same thing it's just kind of a subset 
yeah, sort of similar to how the iPhone is sold to enterprises and they have features built for it, but it, it really is targeting the people who want to use it in the end, but they need to go through a different mm, supplying channel, which is your right. company or your school. Um, yeah, I could, I could foresee that in the, in the ride sharing scenario where it's sort of like, we, we're going to have, uh, cities or companies take the financial burden away from making the cars from us and, you know, the, the cash to manufacture the vehicles, someone's going to pay for it. And it's for the London fleet or the Palo Alto fleet is paid for, uh, by Palo Alto, but Apple's going to operate it, um, from a sort of software side. Okay. Um, so yeah, so if, if Apple does that in, in either case, the end user is, uh, is the person they're targeting the, the entity they're targeting when they're designing this vehicle or service. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you think Apple would bring to that, that, that would be beneficial? Yeah. So that's where it really breaks down for me on the priorities because in a world where they're selling it to an end consumer, I could see that happening more quickly, like in the next few years. And imagining the next few years, I don't believe that would be a fully self-driving vehicle everywhere. And I also presume that for Apple to make a difference here, they need to be able to do it at worldwide scale. So I can't believe they can guarantee that those cars would be allowed to be full self-driving everywhere. So okay. they would be built much more like a luxury vehicle where you're still driving it and they happen to have driver assist. And I think this is probably the path they were actually going down in the beginning and uh, because they were trying to build like a full-on vehicle. And the latest rumors we have is that they've actually sort of paused the physical construction and design of a vehicle and focused purely on the self-driving and software side of the vehicle, which leads me to believe that Apple, so if you, if you look out 20 or 30 years, I feel very strongly that cars and transportation will be mostly about uh, self-driving mm, as much as possible. And so this is more of the mobility angle. Yeah, I really think that's where the future of personal transportation is going to go. I think it will be quite rare for people to be driving themselves uh, in, in, say, 50 years. So for Apple to be projecting where we want to be in the next 20 or 30 years that seems like the better wave to try and catch than to catch the tail end of people driving themselves in a sports type, you know, enjoyable, like Sunday drive style, like trying yeah. to compete with a Jaguar or, or like Aston Martin <laughs> or something. Right. I mean, I think we can all agree that the, the car UX sucks. Like it, it's terrible, especially if you rent a lot of vehicles from different yeah. manufacturers, you realize you have to ramp up on every different vehicle and it's just, it's a terrible experience. So there's certainly... Uh, ideally, there would be some innovation that could happen there, but that doesn't seem like a big enough step function. Yeah, exactly. To, yeah. That the, the micro interactions of a car are terrible. And Apple, I feel quite confident if you set the Apple uh, engineering and design team loose on any car that's shipping today, they would come up with a better experience. Right. And I think a lot of people have keyed in on that and be like, well, it'd be great if there was an Apple car. But when I'm putting my sort of bigger business hat on, that is like a, that's a small <laughs> potatoes thing because yeah. sure you could, you could get maybe five or 10% of the market with that in the best case, but that's not really where the puck is going uh, to quote Wayne Gretzky, which Wayne and Steve Jobs <laughs> like to quote. Um, Good sports analogy. 
Thank you. Well, there's always, and then there's always the option that you'd, you'd over innovate in, in that area too, and hit some weird like local maximum and end up with like the, the spherical wheels on the car in the iRobot movie or something that just, you know, is technically innovative, but ultimately doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. They would, they'd be uh, literally spinning their wheels at something that is not really where <laughs> transportation is going. So if, if you believe that argument, then I think the idea that Apple must be investigating how to get self-driving technology together because they realize that, oh, the other thing I would say is that I believe quite strongly that these cars are going to be electric, so they're going to be simpler. I think they're going to be more computerized for sure. And so the idea that a software company uh, that also happens to usually sell to consumers uh, would potentially be a very good fit for trying to solve these problems, and also one that happens to have a lot of resources and ability to invest in a project that's going to take a very long time. Apple is one of the few companies that has enough cash. I mean, they have over $240 billion in cash. Their spending on R&D has gone from a few billion dollars a year before the iPhone to now close to $10 billion a year that it's not all being spent on Mac Pros and Mac Minis and all those. <laughs> Certainly not, not on Mac Pros. Not on Mac Pros. So that money, $8 billion more dollars a year after iPhone was created than before, I don't think that's all going for iPhone. I don't think it's all going for Apple Watch. I do think it has to be going for some other really big project. The car could be that, the software, the people. So I am more inclined to believe that in, any, in either scenario, scenario they, they build a car to sell to individuals or they want a ride-sharing mobility service, that self-driving technology will be at the core and that Apple will not want to license that from Tesla, even if they would. They won't want to license it from any of the other players. They're going to want to own that and be good at it. And so if that's a precondition, then you have to solve that first before you decide whether or not you're going to try and sell a, an individual vehicle or a service. So that's my current belief is that is what they are actually doing today. And they may still be punting or kicking the can down the road on the actual business model for how that will materialize. Yeah, yeah well, and it's interesting, too, to think that uh, he's interesting. Um, but historically, um, services have been the Achilles heel of Apple generally. Yeah. I mean, they, they to give credit, they have gotten better over the years, like the, the current iCloud is much better than it was in the past, um, than mobile me or whatever else in the past. Uh, and, and their maps had a rough start, but has actually gotten quite good. Um, so, and, and Siri, uh, has, has steadily improved as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think Apple like, music, iTunes, Apple music. Yeah. So services have been tough, but, uh, maybe they'll, they'll catch up to that. There's some arguments around whether or not the, uh, sort of culture and philosophy of the company uh can match up with that i think uh if you listen to the stratechery or if you read stratechery they they talk about that quite a bit mm -hmm. uh about how uh the what makes apple really good at hardware uh tends to make them not as good at um services which are more iterative and uh kind of continually updating instead of like working towards one uh golden release yep um but then again, as they are improving something like Siri, uh, I can imagine um, maybe the car of the future or car in like five or 10 years, maybe it's all voice command. Maybe it is like maybe, you know, Knight Rider from the 80s was was sort of a, ended up will end up being pretty predictive of, of what the future will be. And we'll all have have a kit uh, that, that will instead of kit, it'll be Siri. 
uh, but we'll actually be able to just talk to the car then say like you know change the station or high beams on or turn here or take me home stuff like that and and you know apple's definitely building that voice command interface uh currently on on devices but that could that's something that could apply to transportation as well yeah and the two other big assets to your earlier question that i think they have one is obviously the cash so in a world where you've got uh the mobility service someone's gonna have to pay for those vehicles uh because you need to make the car uh, or the van or whatever vehicle you're going to make and that has some raw material costs tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars per individual vehicle and if it's being sold per mile essentially uh, that's going to take a long time uh, to pay back and so that can either be financed by a bank uh, or it could be financed by their own assets and so i think that clearly having 240 billion dollars in cash <laughs> one good way to uh capitalize on utilize that cash would be to basically pay for these the huge fleet of vehicles that would be required and they will essentially have a zero interest loan and actually be producing income on that cash at a much greater rate than they could see uh in just sort of holding it in treasury notes and whatnot so that is a huge advantage that many of the other companies who are pursuing this model they're going to have to go to outside capital to finance the vehicles ahead of their sort of useful life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So as you say that, though, it, it makes me wonder, what do you think about the market that they would be selling these into? So in the to, to kind of clarify the question, the U.S., the USA is very, I mean, it's an extremely car-centric culture. Like cars are part of people's identity. Uh, for most of the country, the way the infrastructure has been built out, the only way to get around is to have a car. Uh, so it's 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 very uh, essential to your to your life as a citizen yeah. of the U.S. Do you think Apple would be targeting the U.S., which is where they you know started out with all of their devices? I mean, that's where they're based, and that's where iPhones and iPads really like took off. Or would they be? targeting if they're if they're going, coming into the the mobility market as a new provider would they be targeting the up-and-coming markets like the chinas and well i guess china india brazil maybe yep. um probably china and india would be the two uh that i would imagine especially india i guess uh, although electric vehicles are currently uh very popular and and i guess china is the biggest market for them um india has is coming online and and yeah their their stand as a, as a big opportunity there what do you what do you think they would do do you think it would be u.s or do you think it would be a u.s company building for outside the u.s first yeah so i i would frame it slightly differently so i think it's going to be focused on the emerging market of ride sharing mobility style versus uh personal car ownership because i do think it's going to be the well i i think the longer term trend is towards people renting a vehicle per trip uh versus owning their own car and so i think the clear early scenarios where that makes the most sense is ride sharing in in cities and mega cities globally so uh morgan stanley estimates that four percent of of miles driven right now are uh ride hailing so uber lyft etc uh dd all Does those that include guys taxis too yeah and they expect that, you know, this is them saying by 2030, that would be about a quarter of miles driven. So a 5x increase, well, a little bit more. Um, 
So I, I think Apple's scenario here would be we're going to roll it out in all the major megacities. And uh, over time, as our systems get better and better, we'll be able to extend to more and more areas. And so the analogy here would be that rather than build a dumb phone in 2007, which was clearly the majority of the market, they built a smartphone, which would typically have been a couple percentage points of the market, predicting and realizing that eventually everyone's going to want a smartphone and they have the better solution for what that is than trying to go to where people already were, which was dumb phones that don't actually have much capability that are cheaper, but are just not really where the future is going. Okay, so they would, I mean, essentially this would be, if, if they can do this uh, while they still have tremendous dominance with the iPhone, well, market dominance, I guess, profit dominance. Profit dominance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, but certainly uh, extreme market saturation with the iPhone, that the iPhone could become a the sort of tip of the spear, I guess, for their transportation or mobility service where you go into maps and instead of having to have an Uber app or something, or maybe they can even use their platform dominance to just muscle Uber right off of the platform and, and essentially like you sure search for some guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or internet Explorer. Maybe we, li yeah. we like what you guys have been doing. We've been inspired by Lyft and Uber, but um, we'll take it from here. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for there's just a new iOS update where you just click a button from your home screen and a car shows up and it's billed to your Apple iTunes account and, Right. Everything I mean, that's, is hunky dory. That's, that's the huge risk for Uber, right? Is that as people are going to be pulling it in from their devices, right? That Apple is, I mean, they're either on an Android or an iPhone. And if the iPhone all of a sudden, and I guess Android as well, uh, might also have their own car platforms, then yeah, that, that kind of pushes Uber right off of the off the map well and apple can obviously subsidize it right so even if they have to even if it's more expensive in the beginning than any of the competing options uh there aren't many companies in the world that could subsidize it at what the price should eventually be to right. gain market share similar to what apple's done on uh apple music right, right. They, they are working really hard to quickly try and surpass Spotify and others. And to all accounts are doing a great job of, of attracting users. And one big reason is that music is default installed. Now, they may eventually get into some trouble there with the regulators, uh, but that's, you know, a different department's problem. Yeah, um, especially because the subsidies might not even necessarily be about lowering the prices, but more about breath. Like Apple could afford to pay the idle drivers in low volume markets to stay on the road or something, which yeah, I, I mean, it's something Uber driver, did too. Yeah. If they need to have driver backup, right. Um, right. Well, cause it's like response times that makes the platforms like that useful. Like if you have to wait 20 minutes to get a vehicle to come to you, you're going it, to, it's not going to be as desirable as owning your own vehicle. Right. And, and then the other question too is right. If uh, assuming you want really high precision maps uh, of all these cities, it's going to cost a fair amount of cash to go get those maps. Um, and not many companies can afford to do that. And so Tesla is obviously taking the approach of crowdsourcing those maps, Mobilize trying to do that with automakers. But the brute force attack here is just spend money, build a lot of these Apple Maps vans, pay people to drive them around the top 100 cities. And within a year, you've got great maps of every major city and you've covered half the world's population. Right. Well, and once you have the vehicles out there, you can keep updating the maps by the vehicles themselves. Right. Once you actually deploy those vehicles, right? But like, what do they need in, in advance of having a big announcement saying you can now get in an Apple car 
and it's amazing, right? So there's just <laughs> a, a lot of things they can do to at a, at a scale that no one yet has fully described or attempted. And I think to your earlier point, uh, part of this is a timing issue, right? Because even Uber CEO has said that self-driving vehicles are an existential risk, that if they don't crack this quick enough from Uber's point of view, uh, their business is in major risk because the first and the first early companies that have self-driving solved um, have the ability to totally reduce the price of transportation such that you now will choose that uh, vendor. And I don't think the barrier to downloading an app is as high as having a radically less expensive option. So I, I think that this is obviously why Tesla also has been talking about the Tesla network, where you know they already envision and have talked about the idea that you could put your car into the fleet. So rather than Tesla having to foot the bill for the vehicle, their customers uh, will, like me, would hopefully buy the vehicle and then at some interval say, oh, sure, I'll earn some extra money. And rather than Tesla taking all the money or Apple taking all the money, uh, they're going to split it with me. I still so, think that's a weird half-pregnant solution right there. So I'm not saying that's going to work, but that's their approach, right? Is how do, you, how do you get these vehicles on the road without having to have the huge cash outlay? So Apple could be okay there. So I really think that the fundamental thing you have to solve first, problem one, is do you have self-driving technology that works well enough in cities to have a viable way to let people ride in a vehicle step two is do you have a vehicle people want to ride in but for the beginning period i don't think people give up two two craps about what the car is if it's self-driving and basically free right uh, at some point the car will then become a differentiator well you'll want to be in a nicer car and then apple's unique take on that might be special well, um, at that point, it becomes like, do you want to fly coach or first class, right? Like, it's, it's not so much a, a expression of your identity. It's just how much do you want to spend to be comfortable on your journey? Right. And then Apple's values do start to play a difference, right? Where because right now, if you look at the analog of a, of a smartphone, the, the absolute cost of the phone. So, so I know for you and I, we both have iPhones. And for me, at least, uh, the difference between a $300 phone that's okay in my view, and one that is $700 or $800, because I'm using that phone so much, uh, that incremental $400, double the price, is worth it to me. And so I'm willing to pay extra for that great consumer experience, regardless of you know the fact that it costs some more. In the world where self-driving vehicles are now ubiquitous, and you now get a choice of which one are you going to choose, which service are you going to ride in, then again, the consumer experience starts to matter. And so that, but that isn't, that isn't priority one. Uh, that sort of happens later. And so they have to at least have self-driving technology before they even get to play in the world where you're now deciding between whose app and which vehicle do you prefer to drive in. Yeah, I think that uh, coming to market in two years with a slick new vehicle from a new manufacturer that has no autonomy is that would be i would i would sell all of my apple stock if i owned any right so scenario one i'm also going to rule out that they're just going to sell the vehicle just like any other vehicle trying to compete with tesla head-on as they have been today you know selling a high premium vehicle i really don't think that's going to happen and so any of these mock-ups you've seen of the iCar apple car <laughs> i i think those are just totally irrelevant missing the bigger picture missing the point and that the for me the crux of the issue is if you want to compete in transportation in the next 50 years you have to be building self-driving technology you have to be one of the best at it 
and at some point it will become a winner-take-all market unless there's many players. And so they all have to participate very actively today to prevent it from becoming a dominant strategy where no one can ever catch up. Right. It doesn't make any sense to think of, of Apple trying to compete with Ford, right? It's more of Apple has a dominant platform. They have this device and you can search for things. And the, the thought is I can actually just search for something on my iPhone and I want to go here and I tap a button and I walk out my door. I just sit down in the vehicle that just ha- or this device that just happens to have pulled up in front of my thing and i just sit there on my phone the whole time and i step out and i'm at the place i want to be that's it there's no uh I, i'm not i'm not going for farfagnugan or any sort of driving experience i just want to be somewhere else yep and in that scenario uh the i don't think manufacturing the vehicle becomes the sticky bit that is not the number one challenge the same way that uh my favorite quote from the iphone days was um Ed Colligan, again, the guy from Palm, saying in 2006, we've learned and struggled for a few years here trying to figure out how to make a decent phone. PC guys aren't just going to figure this out. They're not going to just <laughs> walk in. And I just always think about that quote in, in thinking about Apple and, and other folks like Tesla and other technology companies who are planning to enter the car market because that's what the current incumbents like GM and Ford and BMW have a similar position to these technology companies. You're not just going to walk in and make a, a car. And yes, uh, making a car is complex, but making, I, I'm not sure that GM and Ford could make the iPhone right now. So uh, it's not as if the Apple isn't adept at making complex products. It's just a different product. And so it can be done. It, it, it obviously can be done. So that's not the... Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there is, um, I, I, the, the trap I think they're falling into is that there is like manufacturing a car has a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of wear and tear and it's a very different experience than building a phone, which is pretty, I mean, it's mostly solid state. There's very few moving parts on it. Right. Um, And there's, there's a lot of stuff that you don't know when you're designing something that, uh, you know, you have to like, you, you go to Ikea and you see the robotic butt that's sitting on the chair a million times. Like there's a lot of, of stresses and things that happen that you don't know until something's been on the, like in the case of the vehicle has been on the road for millions of miles. And there's all of this like knowledge that gets built up at Ford where they know that if a certain socket joint on the shock absorber is in a certain way, then it's going to wear out after a thousand miles. But I think the trap that they're falling into is that it doesn't necessarily matter if Apple's cars are look great and feel great, but only last for a thousand miles because they're not actually going to be owned by consumers. So if Apple has to cycle them out of the fleet every thousand miles while they iterate on it, that's a cost they can absorb. And it doesn't matter that it's not reliable for 100 or 200 or 300,000 miles like an F-150. That's irrelevant. Like all that it matters is that it's reliable for the 10 miles where it takes you from your apartment to the stadium that you want to go to or the bar that you're trying to go to. That's it. And then if, if one of the sensors detects that something's going wrong, it's taken out, it's replaced, it's iterated on, and maybe the design changes within a month for the next vehicles that are coming off the robotic assembly lines. 
Exactly. Yeah. The yield issues, the iterative nature of, of improving the hardware, uh, those cycle times can be much shorter. And Apple clearly is used to releasing things at an, on a yearly cadence um, and, and making things at very high volume. They wouldn't have to even make them at that high a volume. I mean, Apple ships more devices than they would need to ship cars. Um, so, uh, and also we didn't talk about it, but like selling a car in their current infrastructure in the Apple stores would be ridiculous. I mean, the, the warranty, oh, there's just so much junk involved with selling and servicing the car that they could totally avoid if it's right. just, it shows up and then they magically take care of it at some warehouse somewhere else. Right. Which is what Tesla's running into, like in Utah recently with the dealerships and the Supreme Court decision they made there. And you would just remove it all sidestep the dealer issue altogether you're not selling that you're just selling a service and it and, and, and you're not competing with, with the interesting part too is you're not competing with purchases like i own a vehicle but if this comes out i would just start using it and i would just use my vehicle less and i would probably eventually sell the vehicle although the you know even though the resale value would probably drop off steeply on it it, it just it doesn't have to be it, it wouldn't be something where i would wait two years until my next vehicle decision is made right like i could just start using it right away and very similar to the iPhone, where it only started in the U.S. on one carrier, this could start in the U.S. in five cities, ramp up, and slowly expand, but not so slowly expand. That over a few years, it's in every major city, and it just sort of creeps up on us that, yeah, you're now using this instead, similar to what happened with Uber and Lyft. started in San Francisco, and now it's everywhere, you know, six or seven years later. It's just entirely new category of transportation has now been, uh, you know— taxis, whatever, putting that to the side. I think a lot of the usage of, of Uber and Lyft is quite different than taxis, but it's just a new thing and it didn't really kill anything. It's just slowly eaten away at it the same way the smartphone slowly ate away at all these other manufacturers and they just couldn't right. respond. Or, or even ate away at PCs. That might even be yeah, the more that useful too. analogy where yeah. cars are the PCs. Totally, uh, yeah. the, the, the old bicycle for the mind, right? And now you've got a, a, a mobility for the mind or something uh, to, to torture that uh, metaphor. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, like the, the, the old Steve Jobs, it's a truck, right? Like the PC is a truck. Your car is going to be a truck. <laughs> it's going to be this thing that, oh, maybe people who need to drive 500 miles or have really crazy commutes or in super rural areas, you're going to have your own car still. But if you live anywhere near a city or a suburb, then you're going to be using one of these mobility services and it's going to be so cheap that it's just, and better, there's no, there's no. And, and it takes away the, the primary complaints of electric vehicles too, where you would be worried about like range anxiety and charging ability, right? You don't have to worry about charging when you get somewhere. You don't have to worry about hooking up charging and at your home or if you have an apartment, it, all of that would just be taken care of. It would just be there. So, and in the unlikely event that Apple really can't partner with someone, even though Foxconn, their major manufacturing partner, is investing in building cars and will be manufacturing cars, they could swoop up one of the car makers, uh, no problem. Uh, oh, I yeah. Mean, Jeez. And you tell me one of the, like, tier one part suppliers wouldn't want to step up to be a ma car manufacturer. I mean, Delphi will start making cars for them, or they'll be the new Foxconn. There's, there, I think there are many ways they can get the vehicles made, and they could even just retrofit cars to begin with. So, sure, I, I'm I'm excited by this opportunity, but to your earliest point, I'm not sure what they're going to offer uniquely in the beginning, except that they probably need to do this because it's such a big opportunity. That this is an inflection point in transportation, and I I do really think that's true. And if you're the CEO of Apple, 
you have to be thinking about what is what where is technology going to make the biggest impact in people's lives going forward and transportation is clearly one that has going to change very very dramatically and i do think to your earlier point they're also investing in health but this is not a health podcast so we don't spend too much time <laughs> on that but uh that's sort of my my position on apple there <laughs> Yeah, I mean, their unique value is that it, it would just be integrated to the phone they're already using. You wouldn't have, you would just tap something and go, and that's it. And you wouldn't, there's no selling people on it as a vehicle, right? It doesn't matter. It's yeah. just it's just a vehicle that arrives and, you know, maybe once you get in, like it's already set up so that your music is playing through it because it's completely integrated because it's Apple and you can watch a, if it's a 45 minute drive, you can watch an episode of a TV show that you're watching and everything just works. And, you know, you can chat with people, you can have FaceTime conversations with people. It, it's probably the closest you would get to being in a futuristic movie where you just arrive, you sit in this vehicle and you just doing stuff while you're, while you're moving around. Yeah. I mean, e even to the point where it would just show up in the morning for you based on what your calendar says, and then it's going to take you exactly where it needs to go and have your emails in there already and have a computer workstation for you or a big iPad that it already knows who you are. So you don't have to sign into it or it. There's a lot of things they could do about it, but the fundamental thing is they, they have to be in that game. And right. they can't be in the car unless they are the transportation service. And I think that's the thing people sometimes uh, glaze over is like, oh, it'd be amazing if Apple had all these awesome integrations in the car. And my, my point would be that I don't think they have the opportunity to do that unless they are also the base transportation provider. And that's the problem to solve now. And later they can do whatever cool stuff they want. But if they're not the one in your pocket, as it were, or the one where you're in their vehicle, none of those other things matter. Right. They're creating a new market. They're not trying to resegment the existing car market. And we, I mean, no, we haven't said it so far, but I mean, they are telegraphing their hand because their new headquarters is literally a wheel. True. I mean, it is. That, it's right there. I think in, in a few years, we're going to look back and say it was so obvious. It was telegraphed. It's a wheel. It's a wheel. The earliest technology from the most cutting edge technology company. It's a wheel. <laughs> Are you getting it? It's a wheel. I'm really excited for how they, how they would do an announcement about this because... Well, they would have to have the car go to Starbucks and pick up all the lattes and bring lattes it to WWDC. Yeah. It, it would be... Um, the, oh, sorry. The one last little detail is in talking to some other friends about this over the years, the one thing that keeps coming up is, well, how would they announce this? Because if they sell the vehicle, they can't like get a, you know, approval and they'd have to test it and all this stuff. Um, but in this world where it's a, where it's a transportation service, they don't, they're not selling me the thing. They don't need to go into any other approvals beyond the testing for the autonomous stuff. And they can sort of do that using other people's cars. So yeah. I think it would be possible for them to say, okay, we're ready to do the pilot in San Francisco and Palo Alto and the West coast. And starting today, you can now take a ride in an Apple car and those cars just start rolling right. out and it's apple a, doesn't it's a, doesn't go out there and sell the advantages of the particular frequency that their qualcomm chips are working on right like that doesn't matter they're selling the connectivity and in the same way they wouldn't bother selling the vehicles and what's going on with the vehicles they're selling the mobility yep and and they could do it on one day they could have an announcement and then that day those cars are now going to start zooming around and picking up people and have that big apple you know, fanfare. And I think that would actually be possible where if they're selling a physical car 
I don't think that would be possible, which we've already ruled out, but it's a small detail, but the PR team would be quite happy with that approach, I think. <laughs> I think we're pretty, uh, pretty solid on which one we think they, what, is, what their opportunity is here. I do feel like I've got some more clarity after talking through it with you, so I, I'm, I'm feeling good about that. All right. Well, if, uh, if any of our listeners want to uh, weigh in on their opinions on uh, Apple's car bicycle for the mind or what Apple might be doing, uh, where can they reach us? Yeah, you can uh, contact us directly from our website, theteslashow.com, uh, where you can leave a comment on our episode. You can send us a private message if you prefer to do that. You can also uh, tweet us uh, in 140 characters or less at The Tesla Show on Twitter. And if you happen to prefer Reddit, we have a subreddit, r slash The Tesla Show, and you can communicate us in the lead speak on Reddit. <laughs> and if you'd like to send us some of your finest local distilled spirits, uh, you can... Uh, dm caleb on uh twitter or reddit and uh request our mailing address and we will uh drink them and enjoy them that is true i hope we're not breaking any uh state laws by requesting that but um <laughs> we will uh we will we just will, put we will them in the them nearest apple car and have them drive it over for us exactly all right well that was fun Talk all right later, mike bye caleb